Yesterday, the Japan Post Office and two of its subsidiaries had an initial public offering that generated, in one day, $11.9 billion. This is by far the biggest IPO this year, and it's a tremendous boost to the Japanese economy. Let's dive deep into it. What do you think, Michael? This is a huge thing. Well, it's an amazing amount of money for the first day, to $11.9 billion, to put it in dollar terms, over a trillion yen. And what was really surprising and really well, really encouraging was that 75% of the shares had been set aside for small investors, mm -hmm. non-institutional investors. So this was part of the government's effort to create an investor culture. And this is the way to get them interested in putting more of their savings into the, the equities markets. The three entities are the holding company of Japan Post Office, the first subsidiary is the banking arm, and the second is the insurance arm. This whole process of privatizing the Japan Post Office, who would have ever thought about it, but actually it started about 11 years ago. Well, it started with the grand fight of the basically the last 25 years, which was Prime Minister Koizumi versus the Post Office and all the bureaucrats, and all the bureaucrats but also all of the members of the Diet mm -hmm. who lived off the Post Office vote. Right. Now, post offices are not just post offices here in Japan. They are not simply for delivering and, and, and mailing packages and, and, and letters. They are also the bank for many of the communities that they're located in. And it's there are 24,000 post offices, so there are 24,000 bank branches. There are 24,000 also branches of the largest insurer. It's the largest bank, it's the largest insurer. Mm -hmm. It is an absolutely massive financial treasure. And with this IPO, there are going to be people who get a piece of any kind of profits that it might generate. Japan is frequently known globally as having just incredibly powerful, large banks, private banks that have branches all over the world. And very little is mentioned when you talk about Japanese banking, about the Japan Post Office. It is by far, even all of those banks collected, it is far more massive than all of those banks put together. And that's because it had this government guarantee. It had it's your, your savings deposits, when they were in the post office, they'd get the best interest and they'd have the most expensive guarantees in terms of failure. Mm -hmm. At which point, it made no sense to put money in the bank. It made sense to put it in the post office. The reason why Prime Minister Koizumi went after it was because the post office's mandate kept the kinds of things that it could invest in to a very limited set, and it included infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So for politicians, who wanted to appeal to the voters, they would talk about how small the national budget was, but then they would dip their hands into the postal savings accounts and use that to fund the sweetheart right. pork barrel deals that they would get for their particular constituents. Last week we were talking about the security arrangement and how, how brave it was for the prime minister 40 years ago to agree to um, revise the security arrangement between the United States and Japan. And at the time, it caused great turmoil. And looking back at it now, it looks like that, that was the proper thing to do. Similarly now, looking back at what Koizumi pulled off, he was trying to extract the stranglehold that the bureaucrats had on the whole nation, on, on trade affairs, on legal provision of services, on 
on the banks themselves, which were all basically defunct and were not able to lend money. He came in and forced them to clean up the non-performing loans that the bureaucrats would just not let them get rid of. He consolidated some of the ministries. He, he limited the number of and the reach of some of the ministries into the uh, various industries. He, he really did uh, an amazing job, but it really has taken about 15 years for some of that to, to filter out and to be cobbled together so that you know, people enjoy the benefits of what he, um, he launched. Well, the, there's going to be a reflection on Prime Minister Abe of some sort from this IPO that has just happened. Koizumi, yes, got it started, and then it languished. And in fact, the privatization reversed mm -hmm. itself under the DPJ. Well, part of the promises that the DPJ made in order to put together the coalition of forces that it was going to need in order to defeat the LDP at its own game mm -hmm. was the seduction of the postmasters and saying, we'll take care of you, we will slow down or even reverse <clears throat> the privatization. And they did that. They actually gave, they, they put the brakes on the privatization so that it's now come out during Abe's time. Mm -hmm. So Abe's going to reap whatever PR benefits there are from this action. Okay. The number of bureaucrats throughout the entire Japanese government, less than half of them, were postal employees. That's right. The, 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 the national, before this privatization, the, 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 the national government's set of employees, most of them were working in the post office. And then another big chunk was those working in the self-defense forces. Mm -hmm. Aside from those, there was, the government of Japan is rather small as compared to other governments overseas. Now, you talk about the biggest I, IPO. Well, the, the, you can talk about the IPO that took place involving NTT. That was immense also. And of course, before that, the really big one in terms of labor relations within this country was when Japan National Railways, JNR, became JR, all the different pieces that we have today. That was also an immensely important privatization, and that happened under Prime Minister Nakasone. So privatization has been marching forward. We had JNR first, and then it took a few more years, and then they had the ability to jump out with, with NTT. And now, right. with the post office, we have the big whale. It's huge. I mean, $11 billion in one day. And it's just a tranche of it. That's, it, it, it it's going to continue. That's just yesterday. Yeah, and it's, go, it's going to be slowly privatized. Whether it's going to be completely privatized, hard to say, uh, because the, the timetables are just unclear. Mm -hmm. And for certain industries, for example, JT, Japan Tobacco, has been privatized, but the government still owns most of the stock. Right. So privatization goes forward in a haphazard manner. Is this not just a trick, though? I mean, is this a way to get to small and medium companies and moms and pops to take their, their money that they've been saving and inject it into the economy? I mean, what does this actually mean? Does this do anything for the economy? Does this money that's $11 trillion, now, where does that go? And how does that benefit, you know, the economy, other people that are, you know, ecking a living here? Well, the $11 trillion goes to the national treasury. I mean, 11, the 11 billion. And that's going to help pay for things that otherwise would have to be paid for in taxes. Of course, you can only do this once. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you sold it and that's it. Your asset, that part of the asset is gone. But nevertheless, it is part of a way of balancing overall oh, the budget. Not a, it'll be a big slice. It's not enough to, by any means to fill the hole that each year is opened by the national deficit. 
That, of course, is closing for other reasons, mostly having to do with, with uh, taxes from corporations and also pack taxes from individuals. Mm-hmm. Now, w- what's, the, what's the payoff in all of this? Well, it's going to be hard to say. There's a, there's a problem with post offices in that you have to provide universal service. And there are 24,000 branches of this entity. And they're all over Japan, even in the most remote and least populated places. And frequently in those least populated places, they're the only financial institution there. Up until now, the insurance arms and the banking arms have been boosting the part having to do with deliveries and and logistics. That one part of the company was not put on the stock market mm-hmm. yesterday, which is the Japan Post Office. Japan Post Office Holdings, the, whole, the overall holding company, that was put on the market, as was insurance and banking. Okay, but it's important to point out here that that, I mean, the whole block was not sold. I mean, the Japanese government still retains, what, about 50%? It's, of- it retains a very, very large percentage mm-hmm. of it. But in the terms of the, the, the delivery mm-hmm. aspect, the, the, what we normally associate with the post office, the little green cars and the little green red bicycles. I'm sorry, not green, but red. All right. Uh, the, these things are... Well, there's the Japan Holdings. There's five subsidiaries. They took two of those and threw those in. Yeah, but the, the other big subsidiary is the one that they're trying to build up in some way to resemble Deutsche Post or the Royal Mail or some kind of logistics company. Mm-hmm. That, that arm was the one that acquired the Australian logistics company Toll. And together, they're trying to put something that has some market value. At the present time, it's basically a drain. Mm -hmm. And so there's no real sense of when that's going to happen. When that happens, uh, that will be the major effort. Because one of the things about post offices in Japan was that they were established in the Meiji period primarily as banking institutions. And they would usually be handed off. The post office building would be the building of the richest person in that particular village. Mm -hmm. And that became part of that family's legacy. And the postmasters today are usually third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation that have been doing postal work and run that one post office in that one small village or small city or whatever. Now, when you have a legacy issue going on, privatization becomes extremely difficult. It's not like you have this alienated mass, like you could work with JNR with all those hundreds of thousands of union workers. You could just say, too bad, we're going to privatize. Here, this is the rock-solid base of the LDP support network. Because the postmasters usually were the wealthiest or at least the most influential persons in their, in their local communities. And the, every LDP candidate knew the postmaster in every one of the mm-hmm. towns of, of the district and would rely on that person as the means to contact hundreds of thousands of his or her constituents because the post to office was the one thing that's connected everything together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that aspect of it is to come. This has been going on for a long time and frequently you hear the justification for the rebuilding of Kushima and and the areas that have been destroyed by the, the tsunami and that sort of thing. And that, that's a great justification for putting it out, and it, it gives political cover to the Abe administration. Right. That justification did not exist, you know, four years ago, but this train was still coming down the path. Mm-hmm. Had they generated $11 billion, you know, without that disaster, 
how would that have changed the the mix or the the tax hit or anything like that? I mean, it just, I can't I can't <clears throat> speculate about things that didn't happen. All we know is that the Abe administration did use the excuse that we do have this financial problem involving this unanticipated cost, mm -hmm. and let's let's take care of it with this privatization. So the privatization, which was long planned, has got an, an excuse. Okay, now that it's privatized, uh, presumably outside influence will come in and try and fix how things are done, how money is created, how services are provided. You would expect there to be an injection of new technology, new ideas. Well, certainly without the government guarantee and the government ownership, the managements of these new uh, subsidiaries and, and the holding company will be probably more adventurous, as adventurous as Japanese can get, which mm -hmm. may not be enough for international investors, but certainly the very, very simple kinds of investments that these institutions have been making so far are not going to be sufficient uh, to attract the uh, kind of excitement and interest that the government is trying to inject into the Japan's equity markets. Well, clearly there's a push, I think you've noticed it too, there's a push to incite more entrepreneurialism among the Japanese and, and there's more funds that are coming into Japan and attempting to purchase companies that show promise and that, that are being held or run by uh, you know young, young technicians. Well, that's true, but here we have a big institution and, it, and it's not going to be really very nimble, let's face it. They're not going to be able to do a lot of mm -hmm. new stuff. That's why they're doing the, going the acquisitions route, taking the money that they pull in from things like the IPO and deploying it in such a way as to get those innovative new facets that it needs in order to be a more viable and exciting international entity. This is the largest IPO in Japanese history. It's the largest IPO at least this year. That I mean, last year was Alibaba, but which was twice as big. Uh, but it's a, it's a Chinese company, <clears throat> which and it's ten times as many people. Mm -hmm. Here we we have basically Japanese investors who are who who like to play the stock market in a in a rather let's say recreational way, mm -hmm. buying into this in a big way. Whether whether this stimulates a further influx of funds into the equities markets is what the government's going to be looking at. Let's, to, before we wrap it up, let's just talk about the anticipated strike price and how things ended up yesterday. It looks like they targeted a certain price and they exceeded that by pretty good margins. Yeah, they did, they, they did leave a little bit of money on the table by underpricing it a little bit. <clears throat> but nevertheless, you also want to have that newsworthy pop up in the, in right. the prices. And they got that. So. Mm -hmm. They, have, they got pretty much the best of all worlds. Great.